Good morning, everybody. And uh, today we are celebrating uh, the emotion, if you like, of joy. And joy is actually not so much an emotion, although I suppose it is, it's not like happiness. It's just like an inner joy. And uh, that's what happened when the shepherds uh, encountered Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today, a little bit about that. But I want to start off just by um, recalling in the last month um, John Ferguson, who, as you know, has done ministry here with us um, at uh, Hope. And John recently took a trip to Nepal. He takes them um, there every two years, uh, sorry, twice a year. Um, and uh, he goes for two and a half weeks. And the basic aim is to encourage the local churches, um, particularly the villages, uh, where not many people um, go um, and teaches them the healing ministry. And he writes here that um, they had uh, 1,600 people in their recent uh, trip, which far exceeded the, the numbers of people they expected uh, to come to their meetings, um, in four schools of healing, and they had over 500 people who were healed of various diseases. So that's wonderful. But he tells of one story which uh, was particularly moving. And our first slide coming up today is going to show this lady. And what um, John says, he writes this, uh, after a very long drive uh, through the mountains, we climbed to our next school in a village called Damauli. A depressed mother had a flaccid baby on the floor. So I had to go to Google to find out what flaccid meant. And flaccid means a form of paralysis it's a neurological condition characterized by weakness or paralysis and reduced muscle tone without other obvious cause. Um, the ab abnormal condition may be caused by disease or by trauma affecting the nerves associated with involved, mu involved muscles. Sometimes this is associated with a spinal injury. So here she comes. She comes in, but everybody ignored her. She was completely ignored by all the other people. He writes this, our team went to work and after two days, the baby was moving normally. The mother was smiling and the locals taking turns to cuddle the child. This is a huge breakthrough, he writes, in a culture where disability is seen as a curse. All praise to God for that. But... I wonder whether that is kind of the way that our human nature sometimes can work. That means, what I mean by that is to ignore certain people or to put them in a box because they're not like us. Because perhaps of some social stigma attached to their condition. For some reason, I think human beings can sometimes recoil and dismiss people who may be of a different social status, and we can make unfair judgments about the ways other people live, especially even if they have some form of disability. Um, this one's a little bit close to, the, to home, but I have noted in the newspaper um, the people of Manu, not everybody, but some people in Manu, for example, who are opposing the Paruri Park um, 
where uh, the, the, the government want to put in social housing and really by reading the reports, what I hear is not in my backyard, thank you. Quite apart from protecting Peruri Park, which is a beautiful park, there's a great need in New Zealand for social housing. Um, and I read some of the comments um, in the newspaper uh, that read things like this. We don't want any unsavoury activities. And um, another one is, uh, we won't feel safe anymore if these people come and live here. Um, and uh, house values will plummet as people sell their homes cheaper and get out of the area. So closer to home, we have to admit ourselves that we have often social um, uh, viewpoints and judgments that we make about other people. Today, we're celebrating the shepherds. The shepherds at the nativity uh, in this nativity series. The shepherds experienced the most amazing night, I think, that any human being has probably experienced because they were the first people to be invited to come to visit Jesus. Now, this is amazing because to understand the culture, we need to understand that actually shepherds were of the lowest class and profession. They were social outcasts. A man called Andy Runcorn writes this. In Christ's day, shepherds stood at the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They shared the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. And Dr. Joachim Jeremiah says this. Shepherds were despised in everyday life. In general, they were considered second-class citizens and totally untrustworthy. The Mishnah, Judaism's written record of the oral law, also reflects this prejudice against shepherds. They are described as being incompetent. Another one says they should, we, one should never feel obligated to res rescue a shepherd who's fallen into a ditch. Jeremiah documents the fact that shepherds were deprived of all civil rights they could not fulfill any judicial offices, like they couldn't be asked to be a witness in a trial. Um, and he wrote, to buy wool milk or a kid from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would probably be stolen property. That's how shepherds were viewed in Jesus' day. So much for our nativity visitors. Our, our text says this, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, the same country means Bethlehem, the same country as Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem actually means house of bread. And in those days, it was known not for sheep grazing, but for grain growing. It was, if you like, the bread basket of the area like wheat and barley grown on the Canterbury Plains is the kind of breadbasket of New Zealand. So why would shepherds be in a grain-growing area on the night when Jesus was born? Well, an insight into this has gained that the local farmers would allow shepherds into their fields from the hills to eat the stubble at the end of harvest. 
And that was a benefit to the farmers because guess what? What do sheep do? They do, don't they? And they fertilised the fields for the farmers. So the farmers got a benefit from it. Further to this, shepherds actually have a deeper significance. Do you know that the original Hebrew word for shepherd is the word ruel? And ruel means friend of God. One who is intimate with God. And this is a name associated with many famous biblical characters well before the time of Jesus. Take Abraham, for example, as a shepherd. And so was Moses. And of course, so was David. But by the time that Jesus came, shepherds had become more despised because the commercial situation in the economy of Israel had changed. There were more people living in cities. So, with this background, um, why did God call the shepherds to visit Jesus? And what's that got for us? Do you know they had a little nickname for shepherds in those days? It wasn't friends of God, it was friends of sheep. That's what they used to call them. And of course, that was an extremely derogatory term. The first reason why God, I think, chose the shepherds was this, that God is for the outcast and the stranger. By calling the lowly shepherds to be the first to welcome God into the world, God wanted to make it clear that he'd not just come for the upright and the well-heeled. Next slide, please. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And I was struck by that when I read it. For unto you, he was talking to the shepherds, he was saying to you, the one who is despised, the ones who is rejected by society, unto you a saviour is born today. He was telling the shepherds, because they couldn't go into the temple, they were forbidden to go into the temple, he was saying a saviour has been born for you. And the angel went on to say, I bring good news of great joy for all people. This Saviour Jesus was not just for shepherds. He was also for everyone. This is the radical message that so many religious people in Jesus' time could not accept because they thought they were good enough because they obeyed the Ten Commandments. Those that think they're good enough for God might say, I'm a good person because I keep the Ten Commandments. It was interesting, after the service last Sunday, I happened to bump into somebody up at New World who was talking to a person Sue and I knew. I'd never met this man before, and the conversation was going on for a little while, and he said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a preacher. And he said, well, I obey the Ten Commandments. I'm all right. So I said, well, what's the first one? He said, uh, um, so I said, the first one is to worship God. Have you been to church today? He said, oh, no, no. (laughs) So I said, well, can you name me any of the other commandments? So I think there's this, this feeling amongst people, as long as I'm good, as long as I do a few good things, that God will accept me. But it's not like that at all. That's what Christmas is all about. By inviting the despised shepherds 
to the birth, God was saying, no one is beyond my salvation. Jesus modelled this by calling the most unlikely in Jewish society to follow him. In Luke 5, we read the Pharisees and scribes complained to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? We could put shepherds in there. Jesus answered, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, not to call the self-righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every human being, including Mother Teresa, has sinned and fall short of God's glory. Every single one of us. There are no exceptions. No matter what our upbringing, no matter what our social status, whatever our position in life, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, God's perfect standard. My son Andy is a worship leader in an Anglican church in Auckland. He was brought up in a middle class home, a Christian home. He had a good education and hopefully he got some good moral standards. But at the age of 15, he wrote his first song. And it emphasized the revelation that he'd had as a 15-year-old boy that he was a sinner. And that only by God's grace had he been saved. And at the end of my message, I'd like to sing that song over you and to you. The second point I want to make about why did God call the shepherds was this. Jesus is the Lamb of God. You know, Bethlehem is only a nine-kilometer drive from Jerusalem, like from here to Onrahi Airport. That's how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem. That's it. And in those days, Jerusalem was the center of religious life because there was the temple. And so any shepherds in and around Jerusalem, i.e. near Bethlehem, were probably temple shepherds. Now what that mean, meant was that they were breeding lambs for sacrifice for people's sins at the temple. This was the Jewish sacrificial system that God had instituted with Moses many, many years before. Salvation from sin was through a perfect animal who was brought to die in your place. The lamb had to be absolutely perfect and it had to be the firstborn lamb. And in that environment, and I guess it is in New Zealand today, that often ewes give birth to twins. And what the shepherd had to do, they had to notice which lamb came first, and what they would do is they'd then tie a little red ribbon around the lamb's neck to identify which was the firstborn lamb, because they were the ones that they were going to sell to the temple priests. Now, when Jesus came into his ministry, some 30 years later, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when Jesus, uh, well, it was announced that Jesus would be born, when the angel told Joseph that this son was going to be the name Jesus, this is what the angel said, for he will save his people from their sins. This little baby, born at Christmas, that we celebrate 
was to become the Lamb of God. The angel was saying to Joseph and to the shepherds, this one to be born will be the saviour in the future. He will become the Lamb of God. He will give his life for the sins of the world. It is not only through a person, it is now only through a person that sins can be forgiven, not through an animal anymore. That person is Jesus Christ. About three years ago, we had an art festival in our hall that Dawn um, Kennedy inspired for us all. And Malcolm Bollin painted this picture, which you see up on your screen. And at the end of the um, event, he gave me the picture, which now hangs in my office. And it's a picture of shepherds in a field looking down into a valley. And whenever I look at it, I think of Christmas because it's not just a cradle that we celebrate, but we celebrate a cross. And we must remember not to be lulled into the beauty of the birth of a baby to forget that the shadow of the cross hangs over that cradle. And I felt uh, moved to print off um, some copies of this with Malcolm's position, uh, permission to give to you. And on the reverse side is uh, a little quote from the Bible and a personal prayer. A and I want to say, if you've never prayed a personal prayer asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and your Savior and the Lord of your life, we're going to have an opportunity to do that at the end of the service. Because we can come to church and do all the religious things, but what we need is a saviour, a saviour Christ the Lord. Finally, the third reason why I think God called the shepherds is because Jesus himself is the good shepherd. You know, it's an echo, isn't it, of that beautiful psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's an echo because Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. This is personal. Christmas is personal. Let's cut away all the tinsel and look at the reason why he came. And the other advantage, of course, of having this is you may have a friend who doesn't know that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And you could take this away and you could share it with someone. But I want to finish with a little personal story about two preachers who went to the Welsh Highlands for a retreat. And they were walking through the hills of southern Wales and they came across a young shepherd boy, probably about 14, and he was tending sheep. He had impaired hearing and he was totally illiterate. He couldn't read or write. They sat down with them, they shared their lunch and things like that. 
And then they explained that Jesus wanted to be his shepherd, who would always look after him, just as the boy looked after the sheep. They taught him to repeat these five words, the Lord is my shepherd, five fingers. And they got him to repeat it, the Lord is my shepherd, because he was illiterate. And they said, when you get to the fourth one, hang on to the finger because the Lord is my shepherd. And they were explaining that Jesus wanted to be his personal shepherd. Would he allow Jesus to be his shepherd? They said, this psalm is meant for you. Jesus is your shepherd. He'll always be with you. A few years later, one of the preachers was actually passing through the same village, and he asked after the shepherd boy. The previous winter, there had been a terrible storm, and the boy had died on the hills looking after his sheep. The villager who was telling the story said, but there was one thing, however, that we didn't understand. When we found his body, he was holding his fourth finger on his right hand. This story illustrates the very personal nature of faith, the personal love that God has for each one of us. <clears throat> Sorry about that. So when my son was uh, in his teen years and he'd just started to learn to play the guitar and he'd started to walk with the Lord, this is a song that he wrote. And I'd like to sing it over you. And then just as I sing it, maybe you'd just like to close your eyes and um, picture Jesus. Uh, picture the shepherds. Uh, picture the scene of the invitation to come. Place yourself in the scene as one of the shepherds.
I've been saved by grace. Hallelujah. 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 A sinner saved by grace. I'll give my life to above all things you took the pain for me I've been saved by grace hallelujah hallelujah Friends, um, if you would uh, do me the favour of all standing together. And I want to do this just for the sake of there may be one or two people in here who've never prayed this prayer before. Um, accepting Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. On the basis of the truth that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He came, he was born. He was born as a little baby, little infant but he was the Lamb of God. And I just wondered if we could all pray this prayer out loud together, which will give space uh, for anyone who has never accepted Christ as their Savior and their Lord to do so. The prayer's up on the screen and it's on your um, little sheet. Let's pray together. Father God, Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, as a Saviour for me. I need your salvation, for I am a sinner. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and died on a cross for my sins so that I could be forgiven. Please forgive me now of all the things I've done wrong in my life. I'd just like you to take a few moments. If there's anything in particular that you want to just ask God's forgiveness for, to quietly do that in your heart, anything that just comes to mind. Together, thank you for forgiving me, which I now receive. Please send your Holy Spirit into my life and give me your peace and assurance. Thank you, Father God. Amen. Lord, I just want to pray for anyone who's prayed that prayer 
for the first time. Father, that you would bring them your reassurance of your love. Holy Spirit, come. Fill them with your peace. Fill them with your joy. Just as the shepherds went home rejoicing because they had met the Savior. May they be rejoicing, Lord, in our lives because of what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, I commit uh, my friends in this church to you. And we pray for one another. And we ask that you would encourage us and strengthen us in these days ahead. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Phil.